Hello and welcome. This is Connie Reagan Green from HugeProfitsTinyList.com with another call in the podcast series. Today I'm speaking with Sandra Martini. How are you, Sandra? I'm fabulous. Thank you so much for asking and thanks so much for having me. I'm just I'm thrilled to be here today. Yes, yeah, so, well, it's it's wonderful to have you. And now I get to call you Sandy because I know you a little bit. And I'm going to share a funny story with our listeners of uh, what happened one time. I know you'll remember this when I talk about it. It's been at least a year, maybe close to two years ago now, where someone had asked me to speak on their telesummit. And so they didn't give me all the information I needed, but there was a link somewhere I saw to go to the page to see who was speaking. And when I went over, I saw a picture of you. And I thought, oh, I guess, you know, Sandy's speaking um, as well, but I wonder where the information is about me. Well, upon further examination, it turned out they had gone to Google, they had put in Connie Reagan Green, and your picture had shown up, as does many times when you (laughs) Google for information without verifying it. And because you and I look a little alike, which I'm always happy to say you're my Internet sister, then they had your picture along with my name. (laughs) Do you remember that? I do. I do remember that. you got to love it. It's one more reminder to always double-check our facts. <laughs> double-check the facts. you got to have your fact-checker. So I let them know, and they did it, and then I said, well, you also might want to contact Sandra Martini. She could be a good guest as well, and I don't know what happened with that. But, you know, Sandra, you're, you're so successful. You've done so many things. Tell us about your background and how you got started and, and what you're doing in your in your business today. It's um, It's funny. I was in Tampa about a week and a half ago, and – Someone asked me the same question. They asked me, you know, what's your background? And I explained a little bit about my background. And he looked at me. He said, oh, you really know what you're doing. <laughs> and I thought, you mean most people don't? <laughs> I was like, um, okay. And I thought that was really just kind of interesting statement for him to make for this individual. And so my background a little bit is small-town girl from Massachusetts, one of those places that, you know, you blink and you've gone through it. Mm-hmm. And I went off to college in Washington, D.C. I was the first member of my family to go to college, um, first-generation American. My parents were immigrants. And all of a sudden, I found myself in the big city, you know, with quite the change from what I've been used to. I ended up getting a job at Peace Corps working in their marketing department. So I stayed domestically, stayed in D.C. And Peace Corps has this interesting rule. When you're staff, you can work there for three years, and then they kick you out unless you get a special exemption. And they do that because they want the returning volunteers to have a place to go to kind of assimilate back into the U.S. culture. So I was coming up on my three years, and I got an invitation from this other agency to come and work with them. They were called Action at the time. And as soon as I went over there, Clinton came into the presidency, and he took this little agency called Action. Uh, many people may have heard of VISTA, Volunteers in Service to America. I remember that. He took that agency. Action was the one that housed it. And, oh, my goodness, what he did to their budget, uh, he just expanded their budget by many times and created what was called the American, the Domestic Peace Corps. He created AmeriCorps. 
and it became VISTA, several senior programs, the AmeriCorps Grants Program, the Points of Light Foundation became associated with it. And I was picked as one of five women to launch it. Wow. So we launched AmeriCorps nationally, all on the same day, in 50 states, plus a massive White House event, which was, I was a kind of, it was, it was my baby, me and another woman. We shared the White House as one of our projects. And that was the day the plane crashed onto the White House lawn. Oh, yeah. um, it actually crashed right next to our event, which was challenging. But we pulled it off in a different location at the White House, and I loved that job. It was public affairs, it was marketing, it was project management, it was all the variety that I craved. And I've since learned being a small business owner is just like that. You know, it's all these different hats that we wear. And that job, I think more than any, set me up for what I do today. I did that for a few more years, and one day our CFO called me, and I'm like, oh, no, what have I done? because I managed the agency's Ogilvy, Adams, and Reinhardt marketing contract. So I figured, okay, you know, basically when he calls, it's never a good thing. <laughs> and I went down to his office, and he said, hey, I'd like you to take over the agency's budget. Will you take over running the finances? The woman who's doing it is planning on retiring, and we think you'd be a good fit. I was like, well, I know nothing about accounting, but Sure. I went back to school and got another degree, this one for accounting, and I did that for several years. And then I got the call um, that my dad got cancer. He had come down with lung cancer. And I started commuting from D.C. to Massachusetts every weekend to be there, to be here. And in the end, I decided I just I couldn't do it anymore. So I walked in one day and resigned. I moved back to Mass, and I ended up with a corporate job, which was both the best and the worst thing I've ever done. The best in that I had a really nice salary, so money was good. I was able to, you know, as a single woman under 30, buy my own house. It was the type of job where a bonus sent me on an Alaskan cruise for two weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I gained 100 pounds. It, I worked nonstop. So I had this wonderful house that I was never in. I actually had my younger sister come and move in just so somebody would be there for my dog. I was literally never home. I kept a suitcase in the car because there were times I didn't come home overnight. I would just stay there, sleep on the couch, take a, sh- take a quick shower, um, and go right back to work. And I did that for seven years. And then DirecTV bought them out, which was lovely. Um, DirecTV is on the other coast. So when they offered me a job, I was like, no, you know, not even a question, because I'm certainly not going further away from Dad, who was still with us at the time. And I decided, that's it, you know, all my adult life, if you will, I've been working for these kind of startup mentality, if not actual startup places. Peace Corps was always that way. AmeriCorps, certainly. 
Pegasus satellite television, definitely. You know, while I was there, in our first year and a half, we went through three building changes because we grew that fast. You know, we constantly had the fire marshal showing up because we were over our limit for the number of bodies in the building. Mm-hmm. And it was all lovely. It was great. And I thought, you know what? Whenever they need something done, they call me. It's like, Sandy, we want to do X, and we don't know how to figure it out. Can you just, and they'd like wave their little hands, can you just make that happen? And I became very, very good at reverse engineering. It would be like, okay, you want that, and we're here, and this is how we're going to get there. And I'd reverse engineer it. And so I decided, all right, I'm going to try to go out on my own. I did. I was still single, still had the mortgage, and told myself, okay, I'm going to give myself six months to know that I can do this because I don't want to lose the house. I didn't have much in savings. My bonuses were spent. I was not very wise with money back in the day. And I thought, if I can do this, great. If I can't, I'll go get a job in Boston, and I'll go back to making my six figures. And I did. Within six months, with a list of 82 people, I broke $100,000. And I loved it. (laughs) I loved it, but I also realized that I created another job. And so I then spent the next six months changing the job and creating systems in my business, which allowed me to breathe and actually have a life now that I had this business, and it's been it's been about seven and a half years now, and I love it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. And about a year and a half ago, my husband actually joined me in the business. So he's now working with me in this as well. And it's fabulous. Our marriage has never been better. I love my clients. I love what I do. And I just, it's funny, I can't imagine ever going back to, you know, a typical nine-to-five type job. Wouldn't even cross my mind these days. Well, Sandy, I I did not know most of that story. What a beautiful, beautiful story. And I can certainly understand why that man said to you, you're someone who really knows what you're talking about because very few people have your type of background and then come on the Internet to do the business. So I would say that you're quite rare and, and unique in that, and we're so lucky to have you. Thank you. It's um, I love what I do. I love working with somebody's business and seeing the change and seeing things happen and seeing that when people take action, particularly consistent action, they create their own destiny. That's the power of the Internet. You know, we're we're not bound by that, how far can I commute or who can I reach anymore. Like you, I have international clients, people that, you know, without this business, I never would have come in contact with people, you know, in Asia, in Austria, in Australia, certainly the U.K. And yet we talk, you know, we Skype. It's amazing just the power of what the Internet allows us to do 
in our lives and for our business. Just It never ceases to amaze me. I'm just constantly in awe of it. Yeah, I, I feel the same way, and I know when I'm on my calls, you know, people say, well, you know, you could have just gone into administration with, with teaching. I could have left the classroom and become a, an administrator. I could have done real estate in a different way, built the business up or something, and I say, yeah, but, you know, the people, the connections, the lifestyle that I'm able to live so that I can spend time with these people online you know, it really is quite quite emotional, so I understand, you know, exactly what you're saying. Plus, just you and I, we're on opposite coast, but there's not much chance our paths ever would have crossed if it weren't for the, the businesses that we're doing online. Exactly. It's funny, people often say to me, you know, how many clients do you have locally? I'm like, well, I have two in the state of Massachusetts, <laughs> and that's it. Most of them are everywhere else. You know, some of my best friends don't live within a thousand miles of me. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a it's a different a different concept. Well, I'm here on your site. I'm here at sandramartini.com, and I just realized your your last name is a is a drink, a martini. I, I never thought of it that <laughs> way. <laughs> so spelled spelled that way, sandramartini.com. All right, and I'm here, and you offer different different classes. So. Tell us about some of these these classes and and what your goals are with them. It's interesting. One of the things, and for anyone who has an online based business, you you understand the concept of a list. You know, you have a list of people who follow you, a database. I like my readers. My list is interesting in that I have people almost at two ends of the spectrum. I have a lot of people who are very newer. In business, and then I have a lot of people who are very seasoned, and they've been in business for, say, a minimum of three years. And I have some in the middle, but basically I have those two extremes. So what I've done is I now have different ways that I serve people, and most of my clients fall into one of three categories. They're either getting started, they've been in business for a while and they've created that job like I did in the beginning. They've created that job for themselves. So they're looking to add leverage. And then the third group, they've got some leverage, they've got clients. Now they just want to increase their profits. It's all about those little tweaks that make your business hum. So I work with clients in those three distinct areas and they of course cross paths often. So my classes usually fall into one of those categories, and I have different types in the sense of I've noticed a lot of people don't like anymore the six-month, the 12-month, the longer classes. Mastermind groups are one thing, but for actual training and classes, they prefer shorter um, segments of time and more specific things that we work on. So I've created classes which are a virtual day or a series of virtual day on very tight topics. That way they come in, they learn specifically what they're looking to learn at any given time, and then they're often in action. And then they come in and we do it again on a different topic, and they're off and they take action again. I'm finding that that format works very, very well for my community, and I love it as well because it allows me to share a variety of things while at the same time going deep enough 
you know, deeper than I could in, say, an hour, going deep enough that they get their questions answered and I can personalize the training based on who I've got in the group. So one of my kind of habits is either to send a questionnaire or to ask them, okay, you know, give me a little bit of info about you so that I can go ahead and personalize this content. And the examples I'll start to share will be, well, Connie could do A, B, or C in her business, and Susie could do D, E, and F. And it really, it really makes a difference both in their learning experience and in, in how I present because it keeps everything fresh. I'm one of those people who I like to keep it fresh. If I was teaching the same exact thing again and again and again, I, it would just put me to sleep. I need that variety. And this is one of the ways that I create variety even within the same types of topics. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I was thinking about my experience, you know, in, in the classroom, whether I was teaching elementary or high school, um, they wanted everything to stay identical from year to year. I mean, you know, it was very hard, so we, we never could incorporate something new. And, and that, that was why I went into teaching, to to keep it fresh. So, um, you know, that's why I kind of uh, pulled away from that at, at some point. So I, I love your way of doing that, your style, and um, I think that people really can benefit from your background, your ongoing learning, because I know you're you're very active, always learning something new, and then how you can present that in that new and fresh way. So I think it does make a lot of sense, and I think that's what really sets you apart from so many other people that are doing things online. It's similar to what you do with your programs where you, you invite people in and say, hey, look and see how we do it this way. And it what I like about it is it allows people to see kind of this is really what happens. This is what goes on behind the scenes, if you will. You know, I have um, a program right now. We're about two-thirds through it called Fly on the Wall. And it's a group program, and the people in it basically are welcomed into my business as if they were a fly on the wall. So I share, okay, you know, these are the things we're doing. This is why we're doing it. Here's what I have my team do. Here's what I do. Here's how I work. Here's why I do this this way. You know, here's why I made this decision over that decision. So they can actually see kind of the inner workings of, you know, a six-plus-figure business that's online-based but not sacrificing my life. You know, I want them to know that, yeah, you, you can do it. It's absolutely possible to do it and do it in a way that keeps you sane. You know, if I was working 24-7 like I did back in the corporate days, it it wouldn't be sustainable. And I think if we're doing something for ourselves, yes, of course, we want it to be successful. We want it to fund our lifestyle, whatever that lifestyle happens to be. But at the same time, it's got to be sustainable for us. We've got to enjoy doing it. If we walk into our office or our dining room table, wherever we're doing our work, if we're walking in and going, oh, I've got to do this again, mm-hmm. and kind of putting our head down, that's not a business. That's not what I would call a successful business. You know, that's prison. And when you're working for yourself, you've got to do 
whatever it takes to get it to a place that makes you very happy or find yeah. something else to do. Yeah, I agree completely and you know, I think of it as having having some passion around what we're doing or at least loving mm-hmm. loving it very much and you know, I think that's, you know, people that I've worked worked with, that's what's happened in jobs that they've been in where they really dreaded going. And you know, right now we're speaking the Tuesday after after a holiday weekend and I wrote something on Facebook this morning. I said it's so wonderful you know, not to have to make a long drive into a, a job today. Instead, I can really think about what I've done over the past four days, the people I've spent time with, the places I've been, the things I've done, and I can let it those memories just become part of my soul. That's how I described it. Because it used to be you had to get back to work and, and they didn't want you talking about what you were doing. No, 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 we've got to get back to work. We've got deadlines, got things to do, and it just really kind of discounts who we are as human beings. Absolutely. That mentality of, from the corporate perspective, we've lost a day because of the holiday. (laughs) So now you have to come in and work much harder because of that, quote-unquote, lost day, which, you know, similar to you this morning, you know, I was able to reflect upon my weekend. I went to the gym um, earlier this morning for a quick swim, and on my way to the gym, I drive over the highway, and it was just a parking lot. Yeah. And I was so grateful in that moment. You know, it was kind of this flashback seven and a half years ago when I would have been in that parking lot. And it was like, oh, I'm going for a swim, and then I'm running a couple of errands, and then I'm going home, and it it was just, it was heaven. It was such a difference and such gratitude for what this business has given me, you know, what this business has given me in my life. And it, it just, it doesn't compare. No, and I think, you know, for us to have this gratitude, you know, we had to have gone through that time. And I think, you yeah. know, jobs can be good for people for a, a short period of time so that they can see that contrast and see what feels right for them and what works best for them. I'm here on your blog, and I love this post, Seven Must-Haves, for a successful and sustainable business. And with this, you say that jobs were created, uh, let me see, um, the result, jobs were created for me, offers made, and raises received. This is you talking about your time in corporate and federal government. Mm-hmm. And as an entrepreneur, things are different. Doing a great job in and of itself is no longer enough. So can you talk about that as we as we wrap up here? Absolutely. Back in the corporate job, there was a quick time. Um, or there was a time when I was with AmeriCorps. I was called in one day, and there was this strange man sitting in my boss's office. And he was from the Smithsonian. And he introduced himself, and he said, I'm here to offer you a job. I just kind of looked at him, and I'm like, doing what? And he's like, we'd like you to take our personnel office and make it paperless. Now, this was at a time when there was one computer for every 50 employees. Um, You know, (laughs) computers are not common. I certainly (laughs) didn't know how to work one back then. And I looked at him and said, I'm sorry, I, I don't have that technical background. And he said, no, you have a reputation for getting stuff done. He said, you know, we have the training budget. We'll get you trained. We know that with the right training, you'll make this happen. 
And I declined. I didn't have enough confidence that I could do it. And I said, thank you, but no. And, you know, I went about my business and talked to my boss later about it. And things like that happened during my time in corporate. When I started working for myself, I'd be like, oh, I did this great article, I did this great whatever, and there'd be no comments. Or I'd put out a product that I was so proud of and nobody would buy. And it was all of a sudden, I'm doing what I consider to be this great stuff, and nothing happened. You know, the money didn't come. And I learned that a couple of things. One, it's not what I do, it's what I do consistently. That was a big kind of, oh, wake up for me. So, yes, I could do this awesome thing, but if I don't keep doing awesome things, nothing's going to happen. Two, it was a matter of stopping and thinking about, okay, forget about what I want for a second. What do people need? What are they looking for? And I started really listening at a level that I didn't listen at before. So now what I do is I listen to people much better than I ever did in my corporate days. I listen to what they say. I listen to what they don't say. kind of read between the lines. I watch what they do, and I watch what they don't do. And my programs, my products are created based on what I see there. And what that's resulted in for me is 11 of my last 12 programs have sold out because I'm offering solutions that I already know they want. Whereas in the beginning, it was more kind of, oh, I think this will be a great thing to do. And it might have been, but it might have been the wrong time or the wrong audience. So now I'm paying much more attention to what's my community asking for whether they know they're asking or not. I've become a much better student and a much better listener than I think I ever was before. And for me, that's what makes my business successful and sustainable. Yeah, and that makes sense as well. You're You're just a real sensible person with incredible, incredible ideas and insight. I think that's that's a big a big part of it. Well, um, you know, we our time is is at an end, and I wish we could go on forever. I, I usually don't feel that way on these podcasts. Usually, we wrap everything up nice and neatly within our thirty minutes. But with you, you're such a wealth of knowledge and insight. I'll use that word again. That I think we could we could talk more. So I want people to be sure to check you out. Is SandraMartini.com the very best place? It is. We have another site coming up, but it's not quite there yet, so SandraMartini.com would be a good place. Okay, perfect, perfect. Well, what do you want to leave people with? What what should they think about that really will make a big difference in, in what they do in 2012? I would say two things. The first, you can absolutely do it. You know, when I reflect on all the things that I said no to out of fear, even in my corporate life, I'm just... I'm humbled by what I could have become or could have done or or the impact I could have made. So first, know that you can do it, absolutely. And second, that which allows you to do it is that consistency. So one of the things that I say all the time is that ordinary things 
done consistently create extraordinary and consistent results. So focus on those ordinary things. You don't have to do anything grandiose. Just do the consistent things. Do, them or, do the ordinary things consistently. And that's where your success is. So take action, take it consistently, and you'll be, you'll be fine. All right. Well, we've been talking with Sandra Martini. And, again, this is Connie Reagan-Green from Huge Profits Tiny List. Be sure to go over to iTunes and subscribe to our podcast series. Thanks again for joining us, Sandy. Thank you so much, Connie, and thanks, everybody, for listening. I look forward to connecting with you soon. Yes.